You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey gals, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. I'm so glad that you guys are listening in today, wherever you're at. Don't you love that, man, wherever you are, you could be folding laundry, you could be doing dishes, you could be on a walk, you could be driving to work, and I feel like we get to have just these little chats. And it's the most important part, the thing I love about the Devoted Podcast, is we're going to share so much scripture in this podcast. I think I probably say that almost in every episode. I hope so, at least, because, again, my words, my opinion, hmm, doesn't really matter that much, but what God has to say to us really, really matters. So I know that I often read a bunch of scripture in the podcast, but I really do feel like that that's really what we need to hear the most of. And it's just fun that we get to do it in this way. A lot of times I hear from you guys at church, you guys will stop me, which by the way, I love it when you say hi. So please don't ever feel like, you know, you shouldn't do that. Or even if I'm talking to somebody, please, I want to talk to you. <laughs> I always just love to hear who it is that's out there. I like to see your faces and all of that. So anyway, I love that. But I, you guys will tell me that, oh, I've been on a road trip and I've been listening to you for six hours, which again, you know, if you've ever listened to your own voice for very long, that doesn't sound too exciting to me that you've been doing that. But again, that's why. I love what the Devoted Podcast is about the Word of God, because as long as my voice doesn't irritate you too much, then hopefully I'm not distracting from what God's Word says. And that's definitely the most important part of what we want to accomplish here on the Devoted Podcast. And I want to remind you guys, if the podcast has been a blessing to you, if it encourages you in the Word, that is something that we want to share with people, especially in these days, gals. Sometimes it's easier to share a podcast with someone or you know, maybe a teaching that you heard at church or something that might feel a little less in someone's face about something. We talk about some pretty big stuff here on the podcast, don't we? I mean, we've talked about all kinds of issues that culture doesn't necessarily love, but we want to know what God has to say about that stuff. And that's why we do this. And I and I have to say, one of the things that has been so cool is to hear how hearing even some of these tough things that often the world doesn't define as the Bible does, maybe that's issues on women in ministry or women's roles in the home or all of the things that we've tackled on here. I think it's always interesting to hear how it really kind of sets and there's just a peace that settles over us when we really hear exactly how God has these things prescribed for us. Isn't that beautiful? And I that is a story, gals. Man, if you're one of the one of the many, many, many that listen to the beautiful design series, that's a one. If you haven't listened to that, if you're new to the podcast, go back and listen to the beautiful design series. That is by far the most downloaded series that we've done here on the podcast. And the reason I think it resonates so much with all of you guys is not because as gals, we just have it dialed and we know exactly what we should be doing. No, it's because the truth of of God's word and his absolutely perfect design for us and our families and our world and our churches and all of I mean his perfection is just it's just amazing. And I think when we hear those things they do sound very countercultural but we know that because we we trust the authority we know that it's right. And it really is life-changing for us as gals as we align ourselves to the word of God. So I love that. But man, if if this podcast helps you guys share episodes, because we truly, truly, truly want the Word of God to go as far as it can, and we want women's lives to be changed, 
in hearing the word of God and ultimately the gospel itself. So if you rate the podcast or you share the podcast, that helps more people find us on all of the platforms that are out there. So today, what I want to just jump into is hopefully going to be now hang in with me towards the end, because <laughs> hopefully some really, really good encouragement from the word. But I, I feel like I have to start with a bit of a dark backdrop. I love the image that God gives us in his word of light and darkness, because everybody can understand that object, right? Everyone. It doesn't matter whether you are someone in our century right now, and obviously electricity is not exactly a new thing, or if you lived, you know, a thousand years ago, there was always a concept of light versus darkness ever since creation. We've known light in the sky. We've known what dark at night looks like. And so we can, everybody can understand this. And I love how that is such a beautiful picture of what God is trying to tell us about how we want to be live in the light. Now, the light is obviously the good news and the things that we want to get to. But like I said, we kind of need to start with this dark backdrop. What are we talking about? And the thing that I want us to look at is how the things in our culture, how the things that are actually very clearly defined as sin in God's word have become normal in our society. How has sin become normal? Is even saying the word sin, <laughs> is that even something that would even be, I don't know, accepted or somebody's not going to look at you weird? Why would you call that sin? This is this is just normal behavior, right? And I think we we see this on radical levels. So we could talk about the abortion issue, right? The Bible's very clear that life is something that the, that God is into. God's word tells us that He knows us in the womb. He, he creates those very fibers. Read Jeremiah, read Psalm 139, and you can see how very intricately woven, how personal and all the way back to the very beginning that God knows about us and our life. And so life is deeply important to the Lord. We are created in his image, right? And so as such, he's very going to be very defensive even of that creation. And I love that. So I'm not going to get into the weeds on all the scriptures that defend that abortion is evil and that life is something that we should be all about defending. But in our current culture, this is one example of something that I think we see a normalizing of sin a little bit. Now, I saw this in a very stark example, and I'm not going to give direction to where this person's YouTube channel was at because I really don't want to give her the likes or anything like that, but or rather the views. I don't think there would be likes on that. But what it was, was this woman that was portraying and she was videoing this whole deal showing her abortion altar. And that's not my word. That was her word. She was showing what her altar to her abortion looked like. And it, it looked Guys, it looked so light. I think that was the thing that one of the things that caught me. It didn't look all creepy and demonic in just this dark closet or anything like that. No, no, no. It was in this like really very open and light space. And she she has her little table and she's talking about the different things that are for her abortion altar. And, and she was pretty detailed about all of the things. And it was quite graphic, I have to say. But it just stopped me in my tracks because... Uh, what? An altar to your abortion? So, okay, is this probably the epitome of seeing something that is absolutely sin, the killing 
of an innocent life and us normalizing that to the level that we actually work totally fine having a YouTube channel that talks about the altar, the worship that we have unto our sin. That should shock us. That's a little shocking. But we can get so accustomed to the things that are sin that it isn't long until it's not only not sin and maybe it is becomes normal and then maybe beyond normal, it's even elevated. And I think we can see that culturally too. This is not what we want to be as believers. First Thessalonians 4, 7 through 8, I love this. It says, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. We could talk about the evilness of what I just described to you, and that should be pretty clear. But we also need to point out that this is not just, this is just celebrating in a sin, but it's also just a direct affront to God, that it's it's disregarding God, who has called us not to impurity, but to holiness. Okay, put a pin on the holiness piece, because we're going to talk about that at the end. But what do we see in this crazy world that we live in? And like I told you, I'm not going to try to be too like, you know, spend the entire time talking about all the yuck. But like I said, you kind of need to talk about the dark backdrop so that we can really see the light for what it is. So I'm going to read you a lengthy passage out of Romans 1. I'm going to start in verse 21. But this is important. We often refer to Romans 1. And we kind of even sometimes in Christian circles will go, you know, Romans 1 says this, you know, but we sometimes don't always go back and read it because it is kind of a lengthy passage. But this is important context for us. So Romans 1 21 says this for although they knew God. And I think absolutely we know who the they is. We are this they. okay? for although they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Okay, there's more I want to read. But just to start off at the top, you know, it's talking about mankind overall. And it's talking about how even the way they think has become futile. And their hearts were foolish. And then it uses that imagery of darkening that where there's no light. It's just darkened to the things that they should be seeing. And so in their foolishness, in their futility, they exchange the things that they think they know so much about and instead exchange that to worshiping the creature rather than the creator. You could, man, if you really got down on so many of the sins and some of the ones we're going to talk about today, you're going to come back to a worship of the creature rather than the creator that made the creature. It's amazing. Okay, let's keep reading here in Romans 1. It says in verse 29, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Okay, so all those things we just read, because of that, God gave them up to it. Okay, they were stubborn in their ways and mankind desiring to do this. Verse 29 says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And then it explains further what that means. 
Four, their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion one for another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in, the, in themselves the due penalty for their error. This is one of those, and again, pause again. This is one of those scriptures that people say homosexuality is not in the Bible. Never says that word. Okay, this is, I don't know what you want to call this, folks, but this is defining that actual act. So yes, the Bible does, the New Testament does talk about homosexuality. It's it's in several places in the New Testament, but this is one of them. This is a big one. And this is very, very clear that it's, it's explaining exactly what is happening. And it is calling it shameless, and it's calling it unnatural. Okay, so this is not saying that this is not a condoning that this was okay or nope, 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 nope. This is calling this sin. Okay, now I feel like we need to say that because that's one of those things that we just want to go. Well, no, 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 that that's that's not for today or that you're going to have to continue to listen to Romans one here. But remember what it's talking about here. It says that God gave them over to this because of the futility of their thinking, because their foolish hearts were darkened in the dark. Okay. Continuing on here, it says, and since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them into a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Now, that paragraph packed a a bunch in it, didn't it? Right. Because before we were talking about homosexuality, clearly says there in verse 26 that the end 27, that that is sin. That is not a natural relation at all. Not what God intended within his perfect design. And then the next part, lest you think that, oh, no, th- this is not just talking about the sin of homosexuality. Oh, no, there's all kinds of sin that we have been given over to. Mankind has been given over to because our hearts are darkened. And that's a, quite the list, right? Everything from disobedient to parents, to being slanderous, to being insolent, to being prideful. It's a list. And all of those things, I don't think there's any one of us out here that can go, oh, well, I've never done any of those. No, we've all been in that camp. We all sin. But at the very end of this passage here in Romans that I wanted to stop us on is because it's not just those that practice these things. There's that. But it's also those who give approval to those who practice them. And so I want to look at, like, how have we normalized sin? Because what happens here is we start with perhaps seeing a sin, maybe culturally speaking, maybe in within our family circle, maybe with a family member. And then we see that as sin. But then over time, we can go, well maybe that's not that big a deal. And then we move into this last part in verse 32, where it says, we give approval to those who practice them. Okay, that's a real strong word from Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on what we're talking about here. And this is not where we want to be. We don't want to practice these things. And we certainly don't want to approve of them either. So keep those in mind as we continue to talk about this. But I love the passage in Matthew, where it talks about, and Jesus is giving us in the Sermon on the Mount, and he is encouraging us that we are to be salt and light. And I want to give you this reminder too. It's in Matthew 5, verse 13. And it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, I'm not going to say too much about this passage other than to encourage you to go to athecreek.com and listen to Pastor Brett's teachings that he did on one was, I think, called, I'll put the link in the notes. One was called Being Salty and one was about being the light. And I can't remember the titles for sure, but I put them a link in them because they were really, really good. And I loved how he talked about this passage. Such a good encouragement to us. But we want to keep this picture, this imagery of being a light. And what does that look for? And so I'm hoping that through some of this, I want to shed some light, if you will, from God's word on the sins that have perhaps become normal to us. So I'm putting these kind of in two camps, but as I was kind of sketching these out and thinking about these two camps, I thought, hmm, they sort of end up lumping together. You know, first I was sort of thinking there is the sins personally that we struggle with and the things that, you know, when you do something long enough, then you're like, well, you just got used to it and it didn't really seem like all that shocking or all that bad anymore. Maybe something that you can think about, you know, 10 years ago, you would have never done that thing. But today it's like, well, I don't know. It's not that big a deal, right? So sometimes there's those personal things. And then there's also things that we can observe in society, societal sins that we can observe culturally is, wow, that is really not something that we want to do. That's something the Bible speaks clearly about. But over time, we get sort of used to it. We start to maybe make friends with people that practice such things, just as we talked about in at the end of or in Romans 1. And you can kind of make some exceptions and some excuses, perhaps, of why maybe that's not so bad. But as I was thinking about this, I think we have these personal sins that maybe become normal and the societal sins. And I guess my question that I had to ask myself is when do these cultural ones then become our personal sins? I just feel it's a probably just a natural projection here that as you accept, as you maybe observed and then, you know, just maybe become a little more comfortable with different sins, then maybe it's okay for you to do those sins as well. And so then they become normal to you. And I want to just highlight what some of those could be, because obviously we are such a fallen and broken world. We are sinners and we are in desperate need of a savior. And as I talk about these things, the thing that I love is that we are saved from these sins. If you have accepted Christ and you have uh, repented of your sin, these are things that we actually walk in freedom from. But we also need to be aware of the darkness and the things that are going on in the world so that we can shine light on it. And we put up these guards mentally within our hearts that will shore up seeing some of these sins as normal because they shouldn't be. So let me give you some examples. So one of the things that came to mind is how normal, if we were going to talk about just a personal one, and I and you'll see this coming out in some of the society ones I'm going to talk about too, but personally, how about just putting my needs above everything else? And this is just basic selfishness, right? And every one of us, man, we struggle because we want to do our thing and we don't want to die to ourselves. And that can be a personal sin that we kind of struggle with. Now, you notice I did call it sin because it is sin. It is sinful for us to be selfish and want our the things that we want over what someone else wants. 
That's sin. That's what the Bible calls sin. But again, we we kind of call, sometimes we're like, well, no, I'm just, you know, doing this for, and we have a real good reason for it. But we need to ask ourselves, no, is this sin? Is this just me being selfish? Or is this something I should be doing? So personal, yes, that's an easy one that could very much turn into something that you normalize over time. But culturally, I think there's a lot of things that we can observe that are sin in the Bible, things that God hates, that we just kind of think are, maybe we wink at it, or maybe we just ignore it. One of the ones I thought about was adultery or divorce, how normal that has become in our world. And I can't just say our secular world. That's become normal in the, you know, quote unquote, church world, in the Christian world. Divorce rates are similar to what they are in non-Christian world, which is is crazy to me. That should never be. But adultery and divorce are kind of normal. Now, when we talk about adultery, the obvious first thing you think of is, you know, some kind of sexual indiscretion in a marriage, but like an actual sexual relationship that is adultery that leads to a divorce. There's that. But I also just want to think about what about when the thing that someone leaves their spouse for is themselves? And what I mean by that is, you know, there's kind of this link. The Bible speaks of idolatry, and it refers to Israel often as an adulterous people, an adulterous generation for leaving their first love because of their idols, right? And those were their actual idols, things that they would form in uh, wood and gold and silver and actually worship something other than God. But God would put that in a camp of, of calling them an adulterous generation for choosing those idols over him. So there's kind of this connection between adultery and giving up your first love and the idols that you worship. But what about when the thing that is complicit in a marriage ending is the me factor? You know, the I deserve to be happy. I deserve more time for myself. You know, what about my dreams? What, you know, when you end up having a conversation that you have found so many personal pronouns in there, when is the adultery, when is the thing that was the idol actually us? the person that is just so putting their own happiness and the things that they want above all else. Now, I always have to say this because guys, I'm not talking about abusive situations. I really like that's more the outliers, different conversation. I feel like often we can say things like this in the context of, you know, of a marriage and being focused on myself and, you know, how the dangers of that. And because of those outlier ones are like, well, what about this and this, this terrible situation? valid. Those are absolutely valid. But often those things then lead to kind of hijacking this conversation from just looking at the sin that we have normalized in the me culture, right? In your marriage, if you and the things that you desire and the things that you want have become way more important than they should be, and if they are more important than where the needs of your family and your spouse are at, then that that's a problem. That's a big problem. And there is such a culture of of me, 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 me. I've, I've talked about this a ton on the podcast, so I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but I'm not kidding. Every time I feel like, oh, surely we're not still falling for these kinds of things, I'll see another like so-called Christian influencer supporting something called me camp or a me course. I mean, for real, guys, there's some things called that. And I and I can't even I'm not real sure. But we need to recognize that putting ourselves as an idol, that is an idol. And that would be sin. But we've normalized it, right? We've called it self-care. We've called it all kinds of things that are a good thing for you to focus on your own happiness and the things that you deserve. But it's actually just an idol. 
you know, so be careful about there's good things and we need to make sure we are taking care of ourselves and all of those things. Again, those are an outlier conversation. I'm not talking about those things, but just don't let that uh, those outlier things distract us from the fact that we need to actually call that sin a sin and putting ourselves above all is a sin. That's a problem. Other things in our culture that we can see, alcohol. I think you can see alcohol has been hugely normalized in our culture. And again, this is another one. This is church or the world, whatever. And this is not a blanket legalistic statement that you are never supposed to drink or anything like that. This is something that has become normalized in culture. And for some, it is very badly abused, right? It often leads to really bad not great things. So we need to be careful of the things that alcohol can lead to that that have also then become normalized. Has that become normalized? We could talk about homosexuality. Has that become normalized? Yeah, that's become hugely normalized, so much so that it kind of goes to that crazy level like I was talking about with the abortion altar. It's celebrated. It's honored. It's a mark of pride and a mark of accomplishment, boldness, and courage if somebody identifies as homosexual or transgender, that's become very normal and very celebrated. That's something that we need to, as Christians, as people who believe the Bible, we need to identify that as that is sin, that is not normal, that is against what God's word says. Other things, how about language? How much has language and the way that we talk, and I'm specifically meaning like profane language, how much has that become normalized? Now, I could look at this from a couple different ways. You know, yes, I, I have kiddos where, you know, I would hear things and I, I would go, I can't believe that you even know what that word means kind of thing. And they'd be like, you know, mom. I hear words like this all the time at school and my kids go to a Christian school. So I'd be just shocked and stunned and, you know, all of those things. But that's something where you have we have to sort of keep our guards up and also help our kids to keep their guards up about the things that profane speech, profane language, things that are offensive. Those should not seem normal to us. That shouldn't be okay. I have to also give a word here actually for Christian gals. This has been a funny one to me to watch how it's somehow become cool and edgy for Christian. I'm thinking more of like Christian influencers and people I've seen on Instagram and things like that, how they just kind of throw out just what they would kind of define as not a big deal curse word. You know, it's so inappropriate, but it is a perfect example of how those types of things have just become normal. And what's the big deal? Are you just that so uptight that, you know, you can't say certain things? Well, I just want to point out the things that the word says about that, like Colossians 3, 8 says, but now you must put away, put them all away. And here's what it says to put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Okay, slander, that one's pretty clear, right? Those are things that we can say with our our words that would be slanderous, that would be injurious to somebody else, but also just obscene talk with your mouth, things that are offensive speech that are not things that we should be either topics that we shouldn't be talking about or actual words we shouldn't be using. So that's the reminder there. There's a different lots of different things about just controlling the tongue in general. I think sometimes just the biggest thing when we see somebody just kind of let loose with their language or the things that they're saying, it just kind of exhibits a lack of self-control, right? And we know that we need to be controlled and we need to tame the tongue like James talks about. So, And that's, read James if you're struggling with that stuff because it's not an easy thing. But again, something that the Lord by his spirit absolutely helps us with. 
So yeah, language, alcohol, homosexuality, the idolatry of, you know, our, of me, even divorce and all of those things in our culture. But, you know, here's another basic one is how about pride and arrogance? Boy, those are like, pride is a huge deal to the Lord. Pride is the sin that it talks about that is what caused Satan to fall from heaven, to be cast out of heaven. It was pride. So pride is a really big deal. And it's at the root of, I think, most sins we have. There's a C.S. Lewis quote that talks about that, that uh, pride is at the, at the bottom, is at the root of all other sins. Proverbs 8, 13, it reminds us of this. It says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. And then it says, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. I hate. Hate's a strong word. And that is the word that the Lord uses to speak of what he thinks of pride, arrogance, and perverted speech, which we were just talking about a second ago. But this is one that maybe we can observe that in our own worlds. But I think of, you know, again, being a mom of boys who love sports. They love their sports. And my youngest is particularly into all of the, there isn't a sport. I think he'll watch every single one of them. When we were in the pandemic and there was no sports, it was a very interesting time for us. And yes, I caught him watching cornhole because that was the only thing that for a while was on TV. And so he started watching cornhole. It was a strange phenomenon. But anyway, you can watch the arrogance and the pride that kind of takes over in our sports and the sports heroes that our kids might have. And it becomes a whole lot less about perhaps the competition and even sportsmanship. It's always so amazing when you do see an athlete exhibiting really good sportsmanship because it's it's actually not the normal anymore. Usually the arrogance and, you know, the thumping your chest thing and all of that, that's become the normal thing. My kids and I have talked about that a ton. I had to give them some extremely strong words that if I ever saw <laughs> them doing any of those types of behavior that I know that they see on ESPN. And I know that they see these major um, cool athletes, you know, point to themselves and, you know, make the, it's just, it's so arrogant. But in that culture, sports culture, it's super normal, right? So yeah, the boys and I had some words about that, like that, that's not going to be something that I'm going to see you do on the court. Let's be clear. So there's uh, pride, arrogance. That's a big one that we can see normalized in our culture. Now, this next one I didn't think of right away. And I'm going to tell you right now, this one came from my 14 year old. When I asked him, I said, uh, what things do you think of, of sins that have become normal? And he responded with being divisive, being divisive. Interesting. That is not one that was first on my mind. But I thought it was an interesting point that he's making because our kids, especially, I mean, again, this is becoming perhaps this indicates how normal I have started to view the divisiveness of our culture. Man, there's the sides, the lines are drawn, right? And there is no dialogue in between. And it's pretty ugly these days. It can, And that can be true of political parties. It can be true of even believers on different sides of different issues. And it shouldn't be. But that's one of those things that being divisive, that is something that is, it is not honoring to the Lord. Now, I have to give a caveat because there are some things that we are not supposed to necessarily be 
all unified on. Now, the thing that gets tricky about being divisive, because there are some things that we are not supposed to be in agreement with, with the world, right? Obviously, what we're talking about with our sin, I would say in the church that we need to make sure the things that we're being, uh, that are divided about are things that the Bible would actually divide on, are things that, of a, that are of essential nature to the Christian faith, and, you know, not the color of carpet in our churches or something like that. But we have just become a very argumentative and polarized culture. And that then, I, I think then, plays into all those other things we've talked about, whether that's pride or the th- the words that we say, the slander, the malice, all of those things. And those things are sin. They're not nor They shouldn't be normal to us. Another sin that I think has become normalized, and I'm again going to give credit to my 14 year old on this because this was the next one that he said, is he said fear. That fear has become normal. Now, I think that one is interesting as well, because that might not, again, be something that you readily identify as fear being sinful. But that's something scripture would say, yep, nope, that's not something we're supposed to do. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a very just black and white, do not be anxious about some things. No, it says, do not be anxious about anything. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Matthew 6, 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Psalm 55, 22. I know this is a lot, but guys, this is something that scripture talks about. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. I love the peace, the confidence that that verse gives right there on really the why we don't need to be anxious because he will never permit the righteous to be moved. He will sustain you. He will give you strength. One more, uh, Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety, fear, all of these things, these are not things that we're supposed to do. We are supposed to trust the Lord. So when does that fear of the things that out there, culturally speaking, or maybe this is one that personally, it can be more of a struggle, is something that it becomes a sin, that we're not giving it to the Lord and we're choosing to just marinate in that fear. I truly think this is one of those that we just do not have to be burdened by. And I know that sounds like, oh, Amy, you're oversimplifying and it's not that easy. I just don't think that the Lord gives us a word to do something that we then can't do by his strength. Okay, but if it says do not be anxious about anything, we need to take the Lord at his word for that. So do not fear. Fear has been normalized in our culture. And we look at that as like, oh, well, everybody's just fearful about stuff. And I kind of think this goes, whether it's with the pandemic and all the things that people became fearful about that, or we can have fear in so many things. What about being fearful about things about our Christian faith and actually speaking the truth in love, saying that word to a friend that we know that they might not necessarily agree with and not, you know, not coming at them, but sometimes we're just fearful to just speak the truth. And that should not be. When have we and how have we just made that normal? And instead of being obedient to what the Lord would ask us to do, we surrender to the fear instead of surrendering to the Lord. On that one, I'll just talk about one more, but I was even thinking with Christians, how 
bad theology has become normal. Maybe blame this on the world that I live in a little bit of just observing other things, other ministries that are out there and and things. And, you know, you just hear stuff and it's so much easier and maybe culturally sensitive to not, they would say, you know, not be so dogmatic about the things in the word, you know, why you don't have to be so literal about scripture, you know, and and it can even just have like a condescending feel to it. Like, man, you really believe that that, you know, you really just believe what the Bible says. And the answer is, yeah, yeah. For like all of those scriptures that I just read to you, I want to cling to a scripture that says, do not be anxious about anything as the truth, because the God who created us and the one that rules and reigns in this world says that we don't have to be anxious that he will take our burdens. I absolutely want to believe every word of what scripture says. I do want to be that dogmatic about scripture. But it's become, you know, in larger Christian church circles, it's become more palatable to maybe be a little more watery about what the word says. And I just feel like that's such a danger because then we're inserting our own authority on what what we think God says, as opposed to just seeing what it says and just taking it. So all this stuff there, you know, there's a bunch more examples we could probably cover. I'm already talking too long, but here's one that I want us to just think about, because I'm sure there's ones that you could think about that you have seen in the world of things that have been normalized. And so 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and 6 would tell us, tell me, examine yourselves. That's what it says. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you indeed fail to meet the test, I hope you will find that we have not failed that test. That that one's crucial, right? Knowing that, are you saved? Does Jesus rule in your heart and mind? So that first piece that says to examine yourselves, we need to examine ourselves. We need to spend some time set apart and ask the Lord, man, search my heart, oh God, see if there be any wicked way within me. I know that's a tough prayer to pray. I've prayed it. And it's one of those that you just kind of then sort of cringe on what the Lord might be showing you. But that's where we need to be, because we don't want to be going down this road where where the things that we see culturally as sin are just becoming normal. And then those things that were once just in culture, maybe they start to seep in to us personally. So just a couple things on how do we then, you know, what's the answer to this? How do we keep, how are we making sure that the normalcy of sin in our world does not creep into our own hearts and minds. So I'm again, I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures. I know sometimes I rapid fire these guys, so I will put them, them all in the notes for you guys. But one of the things that we need to do to just make sure that the normalcy of sin does not creep in is we need to be set apart. The scripture calls that word sanctified sometimes, just being set apart. And the, But there's different sanctifications too, being our choices, one choice at a time, how are we are choosing to set ourselves apart. A couple scriptures here. First Peter 2 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Man, we're chosen to be pulled out of that, out of the dark, out of all the yuck of the world, and even the normal yuck, 
and into the marvelous light. First Peter also says in First Peter 1, 14 through 16, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Oh, such good stuff there. But the Lord is telling us that we don't want to conform to the things that are out there. Be guarded, but set apart. Be holy as I am holy. Next thing to maybe keep in mind to keep us from falling into this normalcy of sin is to stay where the light is. Be set apart, but stay where the light is. Stay where the light's on. First John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Also, Psalm 1, 1 through 2, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Both of these hang out in the light, hang out where the light's on. And if things are in the dark a little bit, maybe it's just even a little gray. Stay away from the gray too, okay? This is a great time to pull ourselves out of things that might be questionable. I don't care what that is. If it's a movie you're tempted to watch and you think, eh, I'm not so sure I should, or something you listen to or something you read, or you know, you examine your heart and ask the Lord to show you those things that you need to be taking yourself out of what is darkness and into the light. Also Psalm 1, 1 and 2, where it talks about don't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. You know, it's like who you're hanging out with too. That could even be actual people that you need to go, ooh, I need to pull myself out of those relationships or things that are pulling me more into darkness and not into the light. But hang out where the light is. Stay where the light is on. The last thing I just want to say about keeping us into an awareness of what this the sins that are out there and how we don't want it to become normal is just for encouragement to just to really keep your head in the game. Keep your head in the game and don't get lazy. And by the keep the head in the game, I'm just meaning like we really need to have our discernment on all the time. I know that sounds exhausting, but again, by his spirit, right? Pray that the Lord would just really open your eyes to the things that you see and don't be complacent. I was reading in my quiet time this morning, I happened to be in Isaiah and it talks about the complacent women. Ugh, I don't ever want to be in the camp of complacency and women that just are like their ease and they don't really like, you know, I don't care. It's not that big a deal, man. No, we don't need to be complacent women. We need to keep our head in the game and we need to not get lazy in this. There's a lot of things that we need to guard our own minds. If you're a mom, you've got a lot of work to help your kids learn how to guard their minds. Same thing, friendship circles, all of the things, even if you're, but man, keep your head in this game and don't get lazy. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And then he ends with this. He says, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought, every thought. And again, you're like, oh, that sounds so exhausting. Well, yes, I know, because I feel like we think so many thoughts in our brains all the time. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Can't get lazy. Second Timothy 2.15 also says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. <sighs> I know it's some work, isn't it? And I really do feel that the enemy and the world, they kind of just want to wear you down. They want to wear you down and just, you know, inundate you with so much stuff that you're just like, I just can't handle it anymore. And you just kind of let your guard down. And I think this is what I love 
about the word. This is what I love about when we get to share the word on this podcast, because I hope that as you hear this, I hope you get as much encouragement from the truth of God's word listening to this as I get in preparing and sharing this, because it really does. It encourages my heart in the things that I see and the things that I need to guard my own heart against. Each time it feels like encouragement just to keep going. And I really hope that as you hear God's word on these things, and you probably as you're listening, you're like, oh, oh, I, I can think of this sin that I need to be aware of and, and things that I'm seeing. Be encouraged by these scriptures to keep going, to stay in this fight. But I also don't want this to be like, this isn't like a, a shallow, lame, like, you know, you can do it thing. This is not that kind of pep talk. No, no, no. This is God's word. And God's word is the reality. And it's the truth we need each time. Every time I read his word, it just feels like you know, almost like that rubber band that bounces me back to where I should be. You know, if you, if you if you start stretching out just a little bit, taking that rubber band a little bit further, ah, the conviction, the snapback, it might be just a smidge painful. But I think we need that. And I and I just always want to stay so tied to the word as it really being the anchor of our souls because these are dark days that we live live in, but his word is the light to our feet. It is the light to our path. And I'm so thankful for that. So, ah, I'm looking back over these scriptures, guys. There was a lot. But I, again, I just hope you guys were encouraged by this. Stay in this fight. Don't be lazy. Be set apart. And just be in the word, which truly is the light that we need. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.